Welcome to the Life of Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Owen. And in this episode, we're joined by Mike James, also known as the Endurance Physio. And we discussed quite an interesting topic that um, had a bit of traction recently on social media because Mike had done a, a live webinar about it. But basically, whether you should fit the, a bike to the person or a person to the bike. Um, there's no right or wrong answer here because it's the age-old answer of it depends but Mike goes into a lot more detail regarding it. I give a little bit of history on what what my experiences have been regarding bike fitting. Um, but fair play to Mike, he's knowledgeable, he knows what he's talking about. It's a cracking episode, so here it is. Mike, thanks for joining us. Um, we had a conversation in the week um, around bike fitting, uh, fitting bike to, to body and body to bike. And I wanted to get you on to sort of delve a little bit deeper into that. Um, it's a cracking topic, um, but I want to start off with sort of, you know, my sort of um, perception of it and also sort of my history and, um, and what you were sort of taught sort of growing up so you know as you know and as you know the listeners to the podcast know I don't necessarily come from a um a swim bike run background but I had a bike growing up and my memory of having a bike fit <laughs> is very much going to Halfords with um picking my rally activator too from from the wall um it then got delivered to store and they would measure you up against the bike and that basically was did your hip um, come to the level of the saddle? And that's all they changed. So, you know, fast forward 20 odd years and, you know, we're, we're talking regularly about bike fitting and how it can assist in definitely the, the longer sort of rides that you're having and that sort of comfort element. So, you know, where did it, you know, wh- where's this topic come from, from your point of view? Yeah, I think me and you might have had a bike fit in the same place growing up, actually. I think I went for that one as well. Um, so for me, it's 20 years almost now of working with cyclists and triathletes. Jumping down the rabbit hole of bike fitting. Now, I'm not a qualified bike fitter, but I have pretty much know, know what I'm sort of doing on that stuff. And questioning things. So you see, you know, you get all these athletes coming into the clinic and a huge proportion of them, for example, have had expensive bike fits but continue to pick up problems. And likewise, another percentage of them that have never been near a bike fitter have tweaked their own bike just off feel and gut instinct and have never had a problem. So it was that background of me starting to go, okay, I start to see now that it's not as black and white as the gospel should be that if you have a bike fitting, because you know most of us, I guess, are led to believe that the panacea is that your optimal performance is achieved through a professional bike fit and the elixir to all injury wars is a professional bike fit. Yeah. And, and it's not quite as black and white as that. So that's when I started getting a little bit more intrigued by it. Um, and that then spawns into just chatting more with people. And then you start seeing the, the triathlon explosion of the last sort of decade, for example, the number of athletes who... You know, they come and see me uh, six to 12 months after starting the sport and literally got all the kit, 
paid for the bikes, paid for the equipment, paying for the bike fitting, but they come to me with some problems. And in a very simple assessment, physical assessment, straight away you start to see that there are fundamental flaws in some of your mobility, some of your ranges of movement, some of your ability to tolerate positions for certain lengths of time that effectively mean that you're not quite ready for the position that you've been put in. So that's the perfect storm which led me to start a webinar, which, which I presented on the weekend, which was clickbaity enough to be titled, um, should you fit the bike to the body or the body to the bike? And, and, and I guess the spoiler alert is it's a bit of both. And for some people, it tends to be more one way. And for others, it tends to be another way. And actually, even for the same person, that swing of the pendulum can change at different times in our sporting careers and lives. Yeah, so, well, I came into triathlon in 2013. Um, so I bought a second-hand bike, um, and everyone was saying to me at the time, oh, what you really need to do is go and get yourself fitted to the bike, you know, or, you know, adjust the bike to, to your height and, and your range of movement and things. And I thought, okay, brilliant, you know, however, how much is this going to cost? Because as we know, triathlon's already an expensive sport, you know, even if you just bought the bare basics, you're spending hundreds of pounds, if, you know, if, if not more. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I, I went to a, a well-known cycle shop within Cardiff. Um, and I don't want to name them because I, I, I think they're a cracking shop. But on this occasion, I'm, I, I'm not entirely sure I had the best service. Because I went there and I paid my money for the, um, for, for the bike fit. I'd already done some, you know, adjusted the bike to what I felt wasn't comfortable and natural anyway. And I went there, they measured me, they measured the bike, and they said, yep, it's perfect. And they made no adjustments at all. And I'm not saying that's right, and I'm not saying that's wrong. But as a, as a customer, I was in there probably 12 minutes, and I thought, actually, have I had the best service here? Um, you know, or, or have I just been taking a mug? And then it did start me thinking around you know, there's probably different methods to bike fitting out there, I'm assuming so. Um, but also, I, I, you know, is it a bit of a fad? And it's interesting, you know, we're still talking about it now. And I do generally believe that there there's a place for it. You know, because, again, going back to my, um, <laughs> you know, my example of being, a, I don't know, a 10-year-old kid getting fitted in Halfords, it's, um, you know, it has moved on. So I, I suppose what I'm getting at is, you know, sh- should we be getting a bike fit for t- full stop? Mm. Yeah, I think the caveat I would always say, and, and, you know, we have to acknowledge these things. We have to be aware of them that there are, if you're looking for a triathlon coach, there is a range of abilities out there. If you're looking for a physio or a therapist, there is a range of abilities out there. Bike fitting is no different. You will be lucky enough to stumble on some great ones and some not so great ones and some that are just somewhere in the middle. Mm. And, you know, certainly myself, I've over the years sort of harnessed a little network of people. There's probably only half a dozen bike fitters in the UK that I'd send my mum to if she wanted to start riding. Um, But that's just based on experience and luck. So there's always that factor. Um, Likewise, you know, sometimes when I've got a super busy day in the clinic, you wouldn't want to be the four o'clock on a Friday because you're probably not going to get as much as I try to give you what I want to give everyone the same. 
I may not be as on firing as all cylinders as I was at nine o'clock on Monday morning. So you always got those little, you know, the human factor that's thrown in. As far as the um, answer to should we all get one, then I come back with my stuck record answer for everything. It depends. Yeah. So should you start getting one the second you start riding and, and buying a bike? I, I don't necessarily think so. I think most of us, you know, we can we can tweak things. Something that's been really interesting, which I, I've followed closely over lockdown, is as most industries have had to pivot and shift to try and keep some sort of income, there's been a percentage of bike fitters have switched to online assessments. Mm-hmm. And some of them, in the same way the therapy world, have some really haven't gotten on with it. They feel they're not giving the full service they can. They can't assess and prescribe how they would in person and that's obviously true but there's been another percentage of them who've angled it slightly different and I really like this approach what they've said is is rather than it being a bike fit it's a position check and it's a slight difference but I really like it so all I'm looking at is a side-on picture or side-on video of yourself on the bike to tell you if you're in a decent enough place to get started and I almost think, I think I've heard some of them say that they're going to continue to do this when coronavirus is, is long gone. But I, I think if you were a um, new cyclist, new triathlete, and you just weren't sure, then getting a position check might be the right thing. I think what some of us should probably do first is maybe walk into one of these shops and get fitted for the size of bike that you need. Because the number of people who just buy the bike based on color, price, availability, time of year, things are in the sale. It might be a hand-me-down. It might be an eBay second-hand bike. And they go for the best bike that they can often afford, but it may not be the best bike for them. So therefore, you're feeling like you need a bike setup, but it's not the bike setup you need. You needed someone to chat to you earlier about saying, look, the, the range that you want of bike should be potentially you know, X to Y rather than a specific bike. If you take someone in to try and fit a bike that's not perfect for them, then we're, we're almost reverse engineering a problem there from the start. And um, I had a similar sort of situation. So when I came into the sport, I bought a second-hand bike. I bought it from eBay. Um, but as we know, every bike manufacturer is slightly different. Every bike manufacturer has different measurements as regards to what a medium is or what, you know, what a small or a large is. Um, and I, you know, all my life, middle of the road, I'm, I've been a medium. I'll do a medium bike, 54 inch or whatever it is, uh, 54 centimeters, sorry. Um, and, that, and that will do. Um, unfortunately, the, the bike worked quite well for me. I've still got that bike to this day, but it could have gone horrendously wrong. You know, a second hand bike, which, yeah, I, I would have been probably putting it on eBay to, um, I don't know, six months later because I was probably getting loads of niggles from it. Yeah, you know, I, I bought, uh, I was very similar. I bought my first bike, which is a, a bog standard road bike, probably, you know, late 90s. Um, I, I think it was a 61. And um, it was huge. It was, you know, it was, I, I rode on it fine, but I nearly fell off every time I tried to get off it and put my foot down. Um, <laughs> then I think my first TT bike was a Planet X, early 2000s. And again, I got fitted for that. And, and I don't think I ever, and I got fitted for that bike as well because it was my first TT bike. And I don't think anyone ever watched me on that bike without going, that bike looks tiny for you. Yeah. And, and it felt tiny. It really felt tiny. The second TT bike I moved for, which was a, a Trek, 
and it was a different dimension bike, which was just felt much comfier. And there was a small period of overlap between selling one and, and, and the other one arriving. So I could compare the two side by side. And literally, they were, they were apples and pears, these two bikes. Yet they were both TT bikes. Um, so, so definitely there. Now, I could have absolutely written off the Planet X, for example. But fortunately, at the time, I was in my mid-20s. I was relatively fl- more flexible than I am now. I was mobile. I was healthy, conditioned, and I could make myself ride the bike relatively well. But I think, again, and this is the nuance of it, which which comes on to something later potentially, is at that point, I was racing sprint to nothing really more than Olympic. And I was probably not spending there for more than about, you know, an hour tops on this bike. Mm. Now, had I wanted to ride that bike for an Ironman, that would have been the wrong bike for me. So, so that's where the new ones comes in straight away, that the things you use in one discipline might be slightly different as you step up. So it goes back to the original question of, do you need a bike fit? I would, with a gun to my head, I wouldn't say this is black and white line in the sand, but gun to my head, I would almost go, the shorter, faster you're racing and the more you're looking for speed and performance, then I'd sway a little bit more towards the bike fit. Whereas if you're looking for longer stuff or comfort, now again, obviously the top guys and girls are racing flat out in aero at Ironman. But for most of us, then as we go longer, then it's probably less about aerodynamics and more about comfort and sustainability in that position. So again, you could argue a bike fit is needed, but at the same time, I'd be more nuanced to say most people can tweak a bike themselves for comfort and a position they can ride in rather than trying to get technical for aerodynamics and performance and drag and stuff like that. And that sort of you know brings me to something else I was going to ask around, you know, the age-old debate that you you see on Facebook um, that people put on, but I am on Wales anyway. You know, should I have a road bike? Should I have a TT bike? And I think there's a lot of people out there who don't really understand the difference between them and really don't understand the difference in position that they offer you as well. And the amount of people I, that I know have gone and had a bike fit with a normal road bike and then try to adjust a TT bike to that and, and then wonder why they're having issues with their back or, or, you know, or maybe their knees or something. Yep, absolutely. And I tell you the biggest one I get with Ironman athletes. So someone gets a TT bike and they get fitted for it. And let's say it's perfect for them. The bike goes away in the winter. Now, I'm doing Ironman next year. My winter base training comes out. What are they doing? They're either on a turbo in the house on one of their other bikes or a spin bike, um, Zwift, Peloton, or they're hitting the roads on their sort of, you know, uh, more robust winter bikes. And they'll do all the mileage going. They'll get really fit on that bike. And then a couple of months before the Ironman, they'll pull the TT bike in and can't understand why all of a sudden cycling's become so difficult. Now, the ones who haven't had a bike fit blame the fact they should have had a bike fit. And the ones who had a bike fit go, well, that bike fit didn't do much because it's not working for me. Yet what you didn't do at any point was prepare yourself to ride that bike. It's not a nice position for most of us. So, you know, simple solution there. Again, forget the bike fits, even forget things like body maintenance and conditioning work. Part of your winter training should be to get the turbo and put your TT bike on the turbo 
And even if you're just doing, you know, three times three minute intervals, building up to four times four, five times five, up to maybe an hour or two, that will make a significant difference to your ability to sustain that position and the comfort in that position when you get out. And like you've probably seen a million times, same as me, it's though you spot them a mile away because they're sitting up on a TT bike, normally with a teardrop helmet on as well, while they're riding around these Ironman courses. And it's no one's fault other than they've just not conditioned themselves for that bike at that time. You know, if you if you drove a... Um, I, I used to work with a guy many years ago. He had two cars. He had a, a two-seater bucket seat sports car, convertible, which he brought out in the, in the summer. And he had a, a Range Rover, a big 4 by 4 in the winter. And this guy could never understand why... In the summer months, he had loads of raging back pain. Yeah. Look, look at the switch you made. You know, you've never got the sports car out in the sum, in the winter. You've never got it out in the spring. You bring it out, and then you do loads of miles in it, cruising around, as you're rightly entitled to do in the summer. But it's just you've not conditioned yourself for it. And it's the same with bikes. So I see that's one of the biggest mistakes. And again, bike fits are either then put on a pedestal as the solution you should have had, or the problem that was a waste of money and you got ripped off and you got conned when actually, no, it's not. It's just, you've, you, you've not really used that knowledge. Well, and again, I said earlier about it being very similar to gait analysis or running shoe assessments. It's, it's, it's the bike equivalent of that. You know, you could have a, if you go for a gait assessment, it doesn't mean it's going to make you kip chogi or fix all your injury problems. And likewise, if you don't use the information or adjust them, again, I like that sort of position check. So for me, if you go for a gait assessment, it should be, well, here's the starting point. Here's the spectrum that you're sitting in, a range of footwear types that you may or may not get on with. Same with a bike. It's a start position that you can work from or into further. And you are right. You know, People are always looking for either a quick fix or the easy option to make them stronger, faster, or whatever. And I, I do generally think that, you know, there's people out there who are thinking, right, a bike fit will make me produce X amount more wattage. Um, you know, um, a gait analysis, as you say, will make me, you know, run 30 seconds quicker over a mile. And it, it's not as, it's not that, it, you know, it, it should be around, in my mind anyway, it should be around prevent, prevention, in the sense of you, you, you're looking at how to stop yourself getting injured because your body is doing weird, weird motions. Um, it, you know, and it, like you said, it's a starting point. It should be something to build on. And, and correct me if I'm wrong on this one, and you said it already, but bike fit versus uh, fit the body to bike or bo- uh, bike to body. And it, it should be down to depends because in my mind, if I can work on my range of movement, strengthen it, um, hopefully lengthen some, and I know there's a debate around you know, whether you lengthen the muscle or whatever, but at least, at least increase that range of motion and also increase the strength behind it. Surely, that, for me, that is a starting point as well. And mm-hmm. like you said, you should then be looking at whether the, the bike fit is yeah. suitable for you. I, w- I worked with, um, I worked with a, it was a... a bike fit if if things were working you know and you know should i waste my money if actually i can go for a five-hour bike ride and come off the bike relatively comfortable so again then it comes down to performance so 
what are you trying to achieve? And this is the thing. People want different things at different times. So let's say you can comfortably do five hours. There's no injury problems. There's no concerns there. But you suddenly decide that you want to do that a lot faster or you want to go further in the five hours. Now we start sitting, you know, again, it's this, don't focus on the marginal gains until the maximal gains have been done. So now if you go in, well, do you know what? I've got a coach. My training's pretty on point. My nutrition's on point. I eat well. I sleep well. I'm doing a bit of strength work. What's the missing ingredient now to kick on again? Okay, let's go and see if we can optimize your aerodynamics. Let's go and see if we can optimize your performance to allow you to kick on with, with your performances. Um, or as you say, injury-wise. But the, the few people that I recommend as far as bike fitters now the common denominator with all of those is they're now they're, they're this hybrid sort of therapist bike fitter. So what they do when you, when you go and see them, they, they assess the bike and the body. Yeah. You know, I had a lot of success uh, probably three, four years ago. Now there was a, a, a brilliant, it was a really nice success story. There was a gang of guys. They, um, they all live in and around Cardiff and they run a building company for them as directors. And they're now in the mid forties. They've, they've built up this company relatively successfully over the last couple of decades. And now they're starting to enjoy the fruits of being directors of their own company. So kids are all grown up. They're in uni or left home. They decided to get into cycling. So they came on to me. I, I saw them in Cowbridge. They were cycling and they all stopped for coffee and, and they, they pulled me over when they, they saw the car and stuff. And, um, it was and fair play. It was the easiest sell ever. Um, We've bought these nice bikes. We've got into cycling, but we realize we're all middle-aged, bit stiff, bit weak, bit overweight. Is there any way we can do some sessions with you to try and get better? I was like, brilliant. And we, we did probably six weeks of, of work together and then gave them a program to go away with. But all it was was looking at their positions, looking at them on the bike, the requirements of what they were trying to do. At the time, they were training for a really long sportive, a couple of hundred miles, so we weren't worried about anything to do with performance. It was just, are you comfortable in there? Is that a little bit better for you? Does that feel like it's not giving you the issues that you're worried about? And, and we just worked from there. And it was that symbiotic balance of preparing the body for the bike, but the bike was prepared for the body. And what it, let, what it gave me was more options. I could have affected the body or the bike to try and help them out. Now, luckily, none of them got any problems. They got away with it, but you may get someone coming in then who's had some, you know, post-pregnancy is a really interesting one. Post something like a clavicular fracture. You take a fall, you land on your outstretched arm, you break your, your collarbone. Maybe it's got some metal work in, but whatever it is, it's not a comfy position anymore in the same position. Now that's the time. Maybe we need to change something on the bike. So there's loads of reasons we go there, but most of us think it's this, you know, elixir that it's going to just fix everything. And, and it's often not. And really interestingly that you say about that, because you put an interesting post out this week about, um, maybe in the last couple of days on Instagram, saying, you know, you, you know, people try and, you know, fix that 5% to get in the extra gains, but actually they haven't got the 95% right to, to begin with. And, you know, I, I do, <laughs> rightly so. I, I see a, a lot of that as well. You know, people really good example people will go out and buy a brand new bike and you think let's work on the engine first you know don't go and spend four grand on a bike where you know that's i don't know three grams lighter which you know you go for a shit in the morning you're three grams lighter potentially yeah. um but, but again but, you, know, you know what i'm getting three, at. three grams off your bike 
when you've got five kilos sitting around your belly. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds harsh. I'm not trying to be cruel to anyone who's, you know, I'm carrying a few pounds myself. But there's the simple things. But again, I can pay to suddenly lose three grams, but I know there's a commitment and an effort for me to lose 10 kilos or whatever it is. You know, power to weight ratio is the biggest thing. And who's, most of us can make the biggest difference there addressing the body, not the bike. Um, but again, cycling, you know, as much as I, I'm a bit of a geek for all the sort of bike tech and the bike porn that comes out and stuff. But cycling stripped back. I watched the World Snooker Champs the other day, and I can't remember which player it was, but he went, well, I don't know why we're stressing about it. You get a bit of piece of wood, you hit a ball onto another ball, it goes in the pocket. And if you simplify cycling down to there, then you've got a bit of metal or a new new design these days with two wheels on it and a pedal and someone sits on it and makes that bike move. So the fundamental thing of cycling is that the whole thing is is powered by the person sitting on the bike. Yeah. And a five-minute wonder around YouTube on one of your insomniac nights and you will see clips of better riders on worse bikes cruising past worse riders on better bikes. But unfortunately, as you say, you know, doing the hard stuff, knowing that three to six months of developing your strength in your neck to hold an aero position, developing mobility through your shoulder and upper limb so that you don't get neural problems in the tuck position, working through lower back and middle back mobility and conditioning, core work just to hold you steady and produce a more efficient platform. You know, how many cyclists and triathletes do very little core work when actually, if you are very uh, uncontrolled and not as stable as, as you want to be in and around the trunk position, then a really good analogy is it's like trying to fire a cannon off a canoe. That cannon can't produce the power that it wants to because it's not on a stable platform. So addressing things like that with the body, that's where this nuance fits in. And again, when we see the... Uh, Team Sky and all this sort of, you know, uh, the Squirrel Club with Chris Boardman and stuff. The marginal gains make a difference to them because they've done all the maximal gains. The 95% is done. Mm -hmm. They're fit. Their power-to-weight ratio is great. Their their cardio and their nutrition is done. Their rest is done. Their lives are taken care of for them. All these guys have to do is get on the bike and ride effectively. So if I can milk every little last percentage out, it's going to make a difference. But as I say, with, with most of us guys, and that's, you know, most of us recreational guys, no matter how good or bad you are, then the bigger gains for most of us come elsewhere. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. So, Mike, let, let's call it a day there. It's, it's a fantastic topic. I'm pretty sure we could go even further, but you're know, tr- trying to keep the podcast to about 25 minutes. So I, I think there's probably more that we can discuss for the future. Um, a big thank you for coming on. I was going to say at the very beginning, I should have said it then, actually, but I'll say it now. Um, so last time we spoke, literally my wife was in labour. Um, <laughs> and I remember having a conversation with you say, um, yeah, she's in labour, but we should be okay for about an hour or so. <laughs> it was, it was. I may need to go, but we should be all right. And then you text me about like an hour later, we've gone. <laughs> yeah, the little one wasn't that far behind then. So yeah, he's three and a half months old now, and finally getting some sleep. So we get in there. Get in there. Oh, brilliant. Anyway, brilliant. Mike, thanks as always for getting me on. Yeah, it was no nice worries. to have a chat. Yeah, thanks for that, Mike. Cheers.
Thanks for listening to the Life for Try podcast. We really hope you enjoyed. And if you have any thoughts or feedback in how we can improve or any topics you want us to talk about in the future, please let us know. We exist to try and make triathlon simple. So your feedback is really important to us. Check out our social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. Um, Subscribe to those channels. Follow us, like us, tag us into posts. Just interact with us and we look forward to speaking to you in the future. Thanks for listening.